Bible reading today is from Luke chapter 7, verses 18 to 35. John's disciples told him about all these things. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who has come, or should we expect someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, Are you the one who has come, or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. After John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who, were, who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. All the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptised by John. But the Pharisees and experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptised by John. To what then can I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to each other. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not cry. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine. And you say, he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking. And you say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by all her children. Okay, please keep your Bibles open there. Luke chapter 7, verses 18 to 35. Let's pray before we get into God's word. Lord Jesus, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for the way that you have preserved your word so that we might hear the truth and believe. We pray this morning that your spirit would work in each of our hearts, that we would be teachable, that we would be learners, disciples of Christ, ready to hear your word and believe. We pray that you would work in each of our hearts and guide my words now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we get older, there are lots of different things that we used to be able to do that we either find harder or we are just less inclined to do. I'm sure we've all experienced uh, watching a small child as they rush around the room with seemingly endless energy, only to feel even more tired yourself as you watch them. And even though just about all kids are in a hurry to grow up, 
There are actually lots of things that children can do that we adults just can't get away with. If a toddler's on a walk and is tired, well, they can simply drop to the ground and refuse to take another step or have all of their limbs go limp as though they don't work anymore. And sooner or later, well, mum or dad will pick them up. A young child can walk up to just about any stranger and with a smile make a friend. While we adults, well, we struggle to know what to say in those situations. If you're feeling tired or ready for a nap, well, that's no problem. If you're a child, just go to sleep anywhere. On a swing, in the middle of the room, anywhere you like, whenever, wherever you can go to sleep. While we adults, well, we often struggle to sleep at all. And then there's a the daily task of choosing what we are going to wear. Now for adults, our choices are generally limited to the situation we're going to be in that day. If we're going to be working outside, well, we might have work gear on. If we're going to be in an office, we might have the appropriate gear on for that. But a young child isn't limited to social convention. They can wear whenever, whatever they want, whenever they want, in just about any situation. No one thinks twice about a young child wearing a superhero costume in the grocery store, or a young girl wearing a princess costume down the street. But just try that as an adult, and you're bound to get a lot more attention than you bargained for. And then there's mealtime. As adults, well, we sit at the dinner table and carefully follow the socially acceptable manners for that particular situation. We eat our meals, even the things we don't like, without saying a word. However, when a child is presented with food they don't like, well, that's as simple as just spitting it up. And the younger the child, the more likely they are to get away with it. But don't try that strategy as an adult, because it's not going to go well. As an adult, have you ever tried running up to somebody and leaping into their arms with the expectation that they will catch you? Well, I can remember all three of my young daughters doing that when they were toddlers. They would run up and leap, expecting me to catch them, regardless of whether I knew they were about to jump or regardless of whether I was actually ready to catch them. Children have a wonderful way of trusting their parents and their grandparents with a simple faith that adults often find really hard to hold on to. As adults, we get caught up in all of our rationalizations of pros and cons of making decisions. We get caught up with the fear of what might go wrong if our faith is misplaced. And we often find it hard to trust beyond what we can see. Jesus spoke of a childlike faith in the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 18. He asked his disciples, who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? And then he called a small child and brought it among all the disciples. And he said, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like a child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. In this morning's passage, believers are being challenged 
to put their expectations of who they think Jesus should be aside and instead to accept Jesus as Lord, Saviour and King with a childlike but not childish faith in who he is. So let's get into the passage. Uh, In verses 18 to 23, John inquires if Jesus is the Messiah. Now, before we get into these verses, it's important for us to remind ourselves who John is. We heard this in the children's chat. John was the last of one of the old old covenant prophets. He was sent by God to prepare the way for the Messiah. Out in the wilderness, he had preached a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The people must turn away from their old life and turn to Christ. And he had also rebuked the crowds coming out to him, saying words of judgment like, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Like all old covenant prophets, John brought warnings of God's judgment being poured out on his people for disobedience. And like all the old covenant prophets, Uh, John's message was warning them to turn from their old ways and to turn back to the Lord. Now in Luke chapter 7, we see, well, John is in prison. Uh, He's in prison for confronting Herod about his relationship with his brother's wife. Now back when John had baptised Jesus in the Jordan River, the Gospel of Matthew tells us that John understood that Jesus is the Son of God. But now as he sits on his prison cell floor, he began to wonder if Jesus really was the promised Messiah. After all, John had prophesied in Matthew 3.12 that the Messiah's winnowing fork would be in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning the chaff with unquenchable fire. John expected the Messiah to come and bring judgment, judgment on all those who were oppressing his people, to burn the chaff, to get rid of those who opposed God, to purify God's people and to get rid of their Roman oppressors. He expected the Messiah would bring God's people into God's place and into a great time of peace in this life. Since his baptism, though, Jesus hadn't lived up to John's expectations of what the Messiah should be. Jesus had made his way from town to town, sharing the good news of the kingdom of God with the poor. Jesus had healed the blind, cast out out evil spirits, and even raised the widow's son from the dead. And yet John was beginning to question whether Jesus is the one that he had prophesied about. And so he sent some messengers because he was in prison and unable to go and told them to ask Jesus, are you the one to come or should we expect someone else? To which Jesus replied, go back to John. And report to him, report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, 
those who had leprosy are cured. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. Even John, this great prophet of God, was challenged by how Jesus had revealed himself to his people. <clears throat> In verses 24 to 30, Jesus testifies about John. Now after John's messengers had left, Jesus turned and began to speak to the crowd. And as he spoke, he, he, spoke, he talk, talked about John, saying, <clears throat> What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare my way before you. Of all the old covenant prophets, John was given the most important task of them all, to prepare the way for the Lord, to prepare the way for the promised Messiah. But then Jesus said, I tell you, amongst those born of women or those born of men, there is no one greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. John was the last Old Testament prophet, the last prophet of the Lord to live and die before the crucifixion, crucifixion and the resurrection. John lived and died before Jesus had atoned for the sins of all those who trust in him and risen from the dead. And what Jesus is saying is that as great as John was and as blessed as he was to be given the responsibility of preparing the way for the Lord, a far greater privilege has been given to believers. Now, this isn't saying that John wasn't a believer, of course. This is just that Jesus is contrasting those who were born in the flesh with those who were born of the Spirit. He's using John as an analogy. On this side of the cross, those who have received the promised Holy Spirit, those who are born of the Spirit, now belong to the kingdom of God. And when the people in the crowd heard these words, they acknowledged that God's way is right. Many of those people had been baptised by John. They saw their need to repent of their sins and they longed for forgiveness. They could see that John was pointing forward to Jesus. They were following Jesus with a childlike faith. On the other hand, though, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law hadn't gone to John or less to Jesus or to Jesus, looking to turn from their ways and receive forgiveness. Because neither John, the Lord's prophet, or Jesus, the Messiah, had lived up to their expectations. In verses 35, 31 to 35, 
Jesus describes Israel's hardness of heart. In these verses, uh, Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees and the teachers of the law for being childish. Their lack of faith and their unwillingness to receive the good news of Jesus was childish rather than childlike. Jesus says, to what then can I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? They are like children sitting in a marketplace and calling out to each other. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not cry. Jesus is rebuking those who have childishly believed that their own law keeping would make them right with God. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law believed that they were doing all that they needed to do in order to get the response that they desired from God. They were treating God like a genie in the bottle. They were keeping the, their rules and expecting God to do his bit. They were waiting for a saviour who fitted their agenda. They weren't coming to Jesus with a childlike faith. They were throwing a childish tantrum because God had not met their expectations. John, well, John was a, a prophet in the same way as all the other Old Testament prophets. John was very much like Elijah. John wore camel's hair and he ate wild locusts. John lived the life of a prophet in the wilderness. He neither ate bread or drank wine. The religious leaders should have recognised John as one of the Lord's prophets, but they refused to turn from their ways and repent. Then Jesus came, eating and drinking, which really challenged their expectations of what a holy prophet looks like. And they said, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Both John and Jesus had challenged their expectations. And so rather than accepting Jesus with a childlike faith, they childishly refused to accept God on his terms. This morning we've been reminded of the blessing of having a childlike faith and accepting God on his terms. We've been challenged to come to Jesus with a childlike faith, no matter what stage of life we are in and no matter how we are walking with the Lord. As John sat in his prison cell and began to wonder if Jesus is the Messiah, he didn't remain in that state of confusion. He was teachable. He was humble. He was willing to ask Jesus the question and expecting Jesus to answer him. And so he sent messengers with an honest, childlike question. Young children are rarely afraid to tell you what they are thinking. And they are regularly asking honest questions without fear of what the answer might be or fear of being misunderstood. Having a childlike faith requires us to do the same, to ask questions about things in God's word that we find challenging or hard to accept, to openly speak to our Heavenly Father about the things we are struggling with or the answers, of, the answers to our prayer that we might disagree with. 
the young child will confidently approach their parents without fear of any consequences. And they do so from a place of vulnerability. They know they have no power. But they know that one they are going to does and is able to answer all their questions. And they expect answers. So then, as the writer of Hebrews encourages us, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive and find grace to help us in our time of need. The Pharisees and the teachers of the Lord in these verses were rebuked because they refused to approach God through the Messiah, through Jesus. They refused to turn from their confidence in their own rule-keeping. They refused to come to Jesus from a place of vulnerability and trust. They were childish and not childlike. They weren't teachable and they weren't willing to hear God's word. Whether that word came from Joel, the Lord's prophet, or whether that word came from Jesus, God's son, it contradicted what they expected and they simply weren't interested. This morning we're being challenged to approach the throne of grace from a place of vulnerability, to seek Jesus with a childlike faith, to come to him on his terms and from a place of trust, recognising that he knows best for us even when we don't. I don't think these verses are rebuking John in any way for having doubts. Just a few verses after John had asked these questions, Jesus calls him the greatest among those born of women or the greatest man to exist. Jesus called him that because of his faith. Questioning our faith and, and challenging why we believe is, is a normal and healthy part of growing in the Lord. Being humble, being teachable is essential to growing in the Lord. Having a childlike faith doesn't mean that our faith is groundless, and it doesn't mean that our faith is unchecked. It doesn't mean that we have it all together and we have nothing left to learn. Disciples of Jesus must be learners. We must be ready to submit our expectations of God and our understanding of his will to his word. If we stop being shaped by God's word, then we stop growing in the Lord. It is very easy to slip into the trap of worshipping a God that we have designed to fit our own expectations instead of worshipping the God who has revealed himself through his word, through Jesus. We can easily find ourselves saying things like, I could never worship a God like that. Or, I sure, or surely God wouldn't want that for me. And that's why it's so important for us to sit under God's word and allow it to shape our understanding of who we are and who he is. So this morning as we reflect on these verses, may we be willing to ask God honest questions and to read his word looking for the answers. May we be open to him and perhaps to a trusted brother and sister in Christ about the things that we are struggling with in our lives. May we approach the throne of grace from a place of vulnerability 
with a childlike faith in Jesus, knowing that our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, loves and cares for us, that he was willing to die in our place to restore us from the guilt of our sins. May we, like a little child, run into the arms of our Saviour, making that leap, knowing that he cares for us, knowing that he will catch us, no matter how scary that leap may be. Let's come before the Lord now in prayer. Lord Jesus, we so often get caught up in our fears as adults. We so often get caught up in all the baggage of our lives, all of the struggles we've had, all of the, all of the letdowns that we've experienced in our lives, Lord, and, and we find it hard sometimes to trust you with a childlike faith. Lord, we pray this morning that your spirit would work in each of us, that you would soften our hearts and give us the faith of a young child to trust you, to run into your loving arms without fear of being turned away. We pray that our confidence would be in you and in your completed work on the cross. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.